The Bird Show. She saw it, she didn't like it, and she was like, this should be banned. Toddlers should never be allowed to wear this. Cassie, what is this? I need to know. Am I being a prude? Okay, so I was I was shopping for my daughter, who's three and a half, and I was checking out some new clothing websites, and I found one that is all about play and activity and clothes for that, which is great. Like, kids should play and exercise through play. 1,000% for it. So I'm clicking through, looking at all these cute little outfits, which, like, they have skateboarding stuff. They've got hats. They've got, like, leggings, all cute stuff. And then I saw this, a sports bra. And it's, it's cute. Like, they had leopard print. They have flowers. And the sizing starts at two years old. And I looked at that and had a gut visceral reaction of, never will my child wear a sports bra. And then I stopped and I'm like, am I being too prudish and too weird? I mean, this is specifically a website for athletic clothing for kids to play in. But at the same time, this bra, it shows um, the, the kid is wearing, I think the kid's probably like six in this picture, wearing leggings that go above the belly button. So it's just a thin strip of skin that's showing, probably like the width of my hand, maybe. And I just feel like that is inappropriate for a two-year-old to wear the same way I would feel weird about a two-year-old wearing a bikini to go to the pool. I don't think that is appropriate. But am I just really antiquated and prudish and kind of stuck in the past? I think to each their own, looking at the photo and it, what it looks like to me when I look at that, that seems like the perfect outfit for a, a gymnastic class. Like to go to like a little gym or something like that and to tumble in because you don't want baggy clothes to tumble in because you could get caught and you could hurt yourself. So, and they have like leotards and things like that for dance class. So when I look at that, I I just see somebody who is into gymnastics. And for me, I'm like, there are full body suits and leotards that you could wear. And yeah. maybe it is each their own. I think where I'm coming from is protecting kids and seeing when people post like their children on TikTok, all of the saves and how high those numbers are mm -hmm. and that it's a lot of creepy guys saving it. So, but then I'm afraid I'm teaching the message that it's your job to dress to protect yourself so bad people won't take advantage of you. But just my visceral reaction was like, a two-year-old doesn't need a sports bra. Like a two-year-old doesn't need to wear that in order to have fun. But I always like to check myself whenever I have visceral reactions and be like, where is this coming from? What is fueling this? And is it accurate? Or is there something from my past or how I've been taught that is coloring my opinion that maybe is incorrect? I think because it's being called a sports bra, if it was like a spandex tank, like they were saying it's a spandex tank with biker shorts. I mean, technically, yes, it it, it is a sports bra. And you and I are on the same page, and we we said this before, like, a woman shouldn't have to alter her appearance or what she's wearing. Men should alter their gaze and how they treat women. Um, and instead of teaching girls they need to cover up, we should teach boys they need to respect women. Um, it's like those schools that don't allow girls to wear leggings or don't allow girls to wear spaghetti straps. Like, it's it's not our job, I feel, to police how men react to women it it should be it, that that should be on them um I think your concerns are valid as far as like there are a lot of creepers out there um and the 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 motherly instinct and urge to protect I I totally get that I I, I have a son I don't have a daughter so I don't know if that changes how I I look at things but that wouldn't bother me. And if my daughter was in, it was in gymnastics, would totally be something I would buy. Maybe the gymnastics part is what changes it. For some mm -hmm. reason, for me, it's the age. The two to three-year-old, like, they can't make any of those decisions for themselves. They don't understand. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's my job to make sure. Yeah. And so I'm just really, I'm conflicted by it. And I still, it just, if, if the top was a little bit longer, and I'm hearing myself say the words, and I'm like, I feel like such a hypocritical prude. Um, and it feels like it goes against everything I stand for in yeah. terms of like, be yourself, dress how you want. Body positivity, blah, blah, blah. But when kids come into stuff, sometimes like the rules go out the window and it doesn't apply. And I just, I don't know why it's not sitting right with me and how I feel about it is also not sitting right with me. And I can't figure out yeah. why. I, I can't figure out why for you. But like if my goddaughter showed up to the house to play in that, I wouldn't think twice about it.
But yeah. that's, I mean, yeah. So I, I don't know what that says about me. I don't know what that says about you. <laughs> well, maybe it's like, maybe it's location. Like showing up to your house, well, that's a safe space. So yes. I wouldn't feel, think twice, but like just wearing this out on public. Abby, I don't know if you can see it or not. Wearing it out in public, like mm. on a run or a grocery run, which is where I would normally wear athletic gear. So maybe, maybe I'm yeah. applying adult stuff to kids. Like I would wear something like that. Well, not me. Maybe if I was like 50 pounds lighter, but like <laughs> to the store to go grocery shopping. shopping. Mm-hmm. And that's what's weirding me out. I don't know. It's just, Sometimes I feel like we're forcing kids to grow up too fast instead of letting them be kids. Yeah, I hear you. So, yeah, mate. I wouldn't think anything of it either. You wouldn't? No, but maybe if I were a father of a daughter, maybe like fatherly instincts would kick in um, knowing that men are creepy and I would have that thought, but I wouldn't think anything of it. Yeah, I think it comes down to context. I mean, I think creeps are going to be creeps, Mm -hmm. but I think, you know, if if a child wore that to a dance class, I don't think anybody would think anything of it. Maybe your job as a parent is to just keep them in the right context to avoid them from being exposed to creeps. Well, even if I saw it at the grocery store, I wouldn't think twice about it. I would just think either you went to a gymnastic class and you're running your errands and going to a grocery store or that's your kid's favorite outfit. They put it on to play and... The, you know how, what it's like trying to get kids into clothes and we're not changing whatever you're in. I, I've taken Jimmy in his pajamas out to places before because it's just whatever's easiest. Yeah, PJs <laughs> would look twice. A two-year-old yeah. in this, I would definitely do a double take. But my takeaway is creeper's going to creep and I am a prude. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Bird Show. She has a six-month-old twin. She's breastfeeding. Everybody out in public seems to be okay okay about it, except her in-laws. The in-laws are not happy with it whatsoever. You got something going on in your life. You want to share with the Burt Show some drama. You're like, I don't know how to solve this. Our Burt Show fam will, so hit us up at thebirtshow.com. Exhausted mom of newborn twins here. Please excuse any typos. I'm sleep-deprived, and I'm dealing with postpartum hormonal spikes and crashes. That's why I would appreciate your take on my current situation. I have six-week-old twins, and I am breastfeeding them. If you do the math, a year of breastfeeding equates to about 1,800 hours of a mother's time. That's not far off from a full-time job. Now multiply that by two because twins. I'm a full-blown milk factory, and I wouldn't have it any other way. These are our first children, and I'm determined to make it to the six-month mark, hopefully the one-year mark if my body can keep up. Can I ask you guys a stupid guy question? Sure. Can you just run out of milk? I mean, do yeah. it. Yeah? Mm-hmm. It can dry up. It yeah. can just dry up. Yeah. I mean, she's got two on there. Yep. I mean, every keg runs dry. It does. <laughs> well, your body will keep producing, but some women's bodies just don't produce, or if the baby doesn't get a good latch, it's not going to stimulate you to make more. So it's unlikely that if she has a good, like, milk flow, she's just, the tanks aren't going to just empty mm-hmm. before the babies are full. But if there's something else going on, they may not be getting enough. After you guys breastfeed, is there a certain amount of time before you need to, like, regenerate more milk? No, it just kind of... It, it just keeps going. Yeah, your body, and I mean, you can... I, I had to super pump at one point in time to try to, like, build up a milk supply before I went somewhere. And there's, like, tips and tricks... And it's, you're, you're basically for an entire day hooked up to the, to the pump, but every woman is different. Every body is different. And some women can just produce like an insane amount of milk and other women, you know, it's, it's not as easy. So, I mean, for myself, I was kind of like in the middle but like at the end of the day, I was so depleted. Jimmy wasn't getting enough, which is why he wasn't sleeping through the night. So I had to supplement with a bottle of breast milk to make sure that his belly was full. Because by the end of the day, these puppies were tired. And they were, <laughs> they were fascinating machines. And these kids are so, so young that when your milk first comes in, it's like it's called engorgement. Like I could literally push and like make shapes and indents in my boobs because there was so much milk in there. It felt like silly putty. I was like molding the skin. So this early on, if she's not had any problems yet, she should be fine feeding them. So uh, she's determined to make it to the six month mark, hopefully the one year mark if her body can keep up. The problem is that my in-laws are anti-breastfeeding. I didn't even know that was a thing. (laughs) My mother-in-law thinks that breastfed babies are malnourished in quotations. And she fears that I am permanently damaging her grandchildren by starving them. Insert my massive eye roll here. (laughs) My father-in-law is so uncomfortable with breastfeeding that he leaves the house when the babies are nursing, even if I'm using a cover. 
When they come to visit, I refuse to change my nursing routine to accommodate their discomfort. However, I'm not sure what to do when we are at their house. <laughs> they do know history, right? Yeah. Mm, like something. formula wasn't always a thing. You couldn't always just go to a fridge and get formula. Well, clearly <laughs> they both have medical degrees and they obviously right. scientifically know what they're talking about. <laughs> However, I'm not sure what to do when we're at their house. I could hide myself away in a bedroom the whole time with two babies. I spend a lot of time nursing. Or I can continue to ignore their reactions and plant myself in their living room. It feels a little rude, though, to make them so uncomfortable in their own home. But on the other hand, I think their reactions are ridiculous and they need to get over it. My parents are no longer with us, so my husband's parents are the only grandparents our children will know. I want to foster a healthy and loving relationship between everyone, but my in-laws are making that really difficult right now. For context, we've never had an issue with them before. As far as my husband goes, he's trying to make everyone happy, which as we know, if you try to please everyone, you will please no one. Any advice or suggestions? I'm off to breastfeed again. (laughs) Yeah, stop going over to their house. Preach, that's what I was going to say. Not even kidding. And I, I understand, like, when my father-in-law was at my house, my house, where I live, he never said anything, but I still removed myself and would sit in the nursery and feed um, because so, even though it's normal and I don't feel embarrassed and it was my house, I still understood that some people feel uncomfortable. And I was willing to make that movement with one kid and go sit in the nursery while he was in the living room. Literally no sweat off my back. But if I had somebody actively campaigning against me feeding my children, my doctor says their weight's good, everything looks good, I'm not going to your house anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't feel welcome. I don't feel like I can feed with two babies. She's feeding around the clock. Yep. I wouldn't lock myself in a bedroom. You need to do what's best for you and your kids. And right now, it does not sound like going over into a toxic environment where you can't feed your children in peace is healthy. Didn't we say this before? His parents, his problem. <laughs> Isn't he the one that's supposed to be rectifying this? He should, yes. Right? He should step up mm-hmm. and say, hey, back off. This is my wife. She's got boobs and she's using them. No, it, these are my children and this is what's best for them. Yeah, if that. If you can't handle that, then go suck on a boob yourself. <laughs> <laughs> or that. Or that. Right. effective. It's the Burt Show. The Burt Show. When you guys are watching TV shows, is your default now to also turn the subtitles on? No. No? No. Yeah. No for Kristen. Yes. Every single time. I cannot understand a word of what's being said. Even if the volume is at max, it just sounds like... Why is that? I don't know. Well, I do know, actually. There's an issue with sound engineering, and it's a big deal in Hollywood. Um, But the way they engineer sound, it just isn't clear. And then if there's an action movie and there are explosions, all of a sudden, those will shake the walls of the house. (laughs) But when dialogue comes on, hi, my name is Mark. Yeah, it's kind of (laughs) maddening. Yes. You? It depends on the show, but most of the time, I, I do have them on. No, I'm never looking at the TV. I'm usually looking at my phone half listening to the TV. So <laughs> subtitles are useless. <laughs> I think I started watching them uh, years ago. I turned them on years ago because I loved Peaky Blinders, which was set in uh, in Europe. And the accents were so thick, I couldn't really make what they were saying. But it was really interesting. So I turned it I've never turned them off. Really? No, I don't I don't keep them on. There has been one or uh, once or twice where somebody said something and I couldn't make it out. So I rewound it turned on the subtitles <laughs> to figure out what they said, and then after I figured out what they said, turned them back off and continued <laughs> watching the show. I've also noticed that there are times when someone will say something from, like, behind the scenes almost, mm. and you would never hear yeah. it if you don't have the subtitles yeah. on. Um, it's the majority of people now. I was just reading the survey. The majority of people, 66%, watch TV now with subtitles on. Mm, I know my parents do, but I just thought that was because they were old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so she's too pretty. She's too pretty and looks her too much of an emphasis on these dates. So, um, look, she's not having any luck, so she's decided to use the theory like, look, if you're doing the same things over and over again and they're not working, you might as well change it. And in this case, she wants to change her looks. So if you got something interesting going on in your life you want to share with us, hit us up at thebirdshow.com. And Mo's got this email. I could really use some advice right now. I'm 22, and my luck with relationships hasn't been all that great. My friend dropped this idea that I'm starting to buy into. She thinks guys are only interested in my looks and not the real me. At first, I brushed it off. But now I'm thinking, maybe she's on to something. So my friend is setting me up with this guy from her work. But she's only shown him this one not-so-flattering picture of me. And he's still up for meeting. My friends are suggesting I should go super low-key. Minimal or no makeup. Extremely casual clothing. 
Just me, no frills. Here's where I'm torn. I get the whole be authentic vibe they're giving off. But on a first date, isn't it normal to want to look your best? I mean, when you look good, you feel good, right? I'm all about being real, but going on a date while actually trying not to look good seems like it could also backfire. I'm also wondering if it will affect my confidence and therefore my personality. <laughs> That's a good point. Fair point. That said, it does seem like a good way to know if a guy really is paying attention to me and not just what I look like. What do you all think? Is this a dumb experiment? I think your friend hates you, and she's setting you up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think is happening here. I understand the concept behind it. It sounds a little extreme for me for a first date. I w- I'm inclined to agree, mainly because if you're going on a first date, it's a very vulnerable thing. And in my experience, when I don't feel my best, those are always the dates that go the absolute worst. And so if you change how you would normally do something and you show up to this date and you end up getting, again, results that you don't like, then you're going to have to deal with a whole other slew of emotions like, well, did he think I wasn't pretty? Maybe my friends just thought I was prettier than I really was and I should have done this. Do exactly what feels right to you. And if that if that means putting on minimal makeup, put on minimal makeup. But I, I think you, you shouldn't switch things up just because your friends think it's the right thing to do. Concur. Yeah. And I, I know dating is hard and it's difficult. I don't think it should be this difficult. I actually think you're making it more difficult. You should be able to be yourself on a date, whether it, and what, what's going to make you feel most comfortable and give you the most confidence. I don't think you should have to pretty yourself down. I don't think you should have to dumb yourself down. I don't think you should have to do any of that because is that really the person you want to be with if that's the person they like because you weren't being authentically yourself in the very beginning. Is anybody really authentic on a very first date? I mean, aren't you just showing them your best self? No, I'm letting it all hang out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty authentic on the first date too. Are you? Yeah, for sure. And I, I understand the concept of this, but it's almost like you're, 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 you think that you're being more of yourself, but you're really not. You're, you're actually dumbing yourself mm-hmm. down, which I do feel will affect your personality because how you see yourself is a part of your personality. So, no, I don't think you should do this at all. I almost feel like there would be more credibility in a similar test if you gave your friend a toned-down picture of you that she would show him before the date. Mm. So he had to make a decision before looking at this picture where you didn't have as much makeup on or it was a casual picture. And then if he's into it and you show up, hotty, hotty, <laughs> um, then he's pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and that's what they've done. Like, she's she's only shown him a not-so-flattering picture of her. So, But she's saying go on the date and look like that also. Yeah, if, 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 if you're not comfortable, don't do it. Period. Yeah, I would say absolutely. Show up. Look how you feel your best. Put on your favorite outfit and whatever makeup that means for you. Because if this guy's a bad guy, you're going to find out whether you look ugly or whether you don't look ugly. (laughs) You're going to know. And I do think it'll affect your confidence. You won't feel yourself. No, 100%. On the date. The Bird Show. All right, so Becca here has a very different problem. Now, her fiancé has given her the green light to hook up with other dudes for, in his opinion, good reason. She's not settled with this and is wondering, I'm, I'm guessing, is this just a trap? Hey, Becca. Hey, Bert. How are y'all? Good. Thank you for calling. All right. So give us the history here and why in the world would your fiance say, you know what? Go ahead. Hook. I don't want us to be broken up, but you can go ahead. You can hook up with other dudes. Okay. So... I don't know whether to call it a spicy pickle or a lack of spicy pickle that that I'm in. Um, I've been with my fiancé for about four and a half years. The first year, absolutely wonderful. Everything was totally normal, quote-unquote, all the things. And then about a year into our relationship, the piano playing got to be a lot more challenging um, to where... We would start our symphony, but we just couldn't get him to the grand finale. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Got really um, frustrated, not just once, not just twice, multiple times. And um, we're at a point where he doesn't want to see a doctor about it. It's his own issue. I'm not going to push him for something that he's not comfortable doing. But towards one of the last times that we attempted to get to our grand finale, especially for him, um, and could not finish our symphony, he got frustrated and just said, you know what, I can't do it. 
I obviously can't please you. If you have to go somewhere else and get it and get pleasure and finish your symphony somewhere else, do it. I just don't want to know about it. So what he, an altruistic man. So he would rather so, you go out and physically be with somebody else than go see a doctor himself? Because of his own personal issues with just, yes, okay. to make it to make it easy okay. uh, or make it simple or not so simple. So for three years, I have not done that. I've been extremely faithful. I love this man to death and I do not want to be with anyone mentally or emotionally other than him. But a girl definitely needs to get the piano dusted off every once in a while. <laughs> And, um, so I have been out on a work trip with, and very close, close to an area where one of my really good friends is. And, um, essentially to, for lack of better words, the dust got dusted off of the piano and the symphony happened, which was absolutely wonderful and amazing and all the things that I needed. And this person understands the situation that I'm in and does not want a relationship and does not want to be in a relationship with anyone. And we've had a very wonderful um, connection, period. We've known each other for years, all the things. The challenging thing is I was at one of my best friend's houses staying the night, and her son... And so many words heard the um, heard all the all the different things in the orchestra happening. Uh-huh. Thinks that I cheated on mm. my fiance. Oh wow! Okay. Now for all the mama bears, go ahead. Let's go ahead and calm down because she has given me the green light to have a conversation with him. She and I both are just at lack of words for what to say. To a teenage son who thinks that I cheated on my fiance. And here's where the layers of of the symphony and the pages of everything are. She has been cheated on so many times, and her son knows this. Mm -hmm. And he's very protective and very defensive of his mom and anyone else that may even appear to be a cheater. He suddenly puts his guard down. He can't stand them, all the things. So your dilemma here is how to explain to your best friend's teenage son that what you did was not cheating. Exactly. So how do you explain that to your teenage son that you did not cheat and every relationship does not look the same? Well, can I ask you, Becca, why does it matter what the son thinks? Why does a conversation even need to happen? He's of no consequence. Because he's a teenager, and I think that this is the time of his life where and things like this really do matter. And I don't. And I'm one of the few people that he does look up to in his life. And I don't want him to have number one this impression that I'm a cheater, just like all these guys that his mom has gone through and dumped because they cheated on him. You don't want him to have a stigma and an issue that nobody can be faithful. Exactly. And I don't want him to just be exactly have that that idea growing up that he can't trust anyone. So let me ask you this. And gosh, we only have a couple of minutes here and then we got to bail. Can't the mom have a conversation with him about it? Why does it have to come directly from you? And why can't she say, hey, there's a couple of things that I need to explain to you? Because she's at a loss for words and what to say to him, too. Well, I personally don't, gen- I don't think it's really any of his business. Mm-hmm. And I do also believe that if the conversation has to happen, it should come from his mom. But if you feel like you want to have this conversation on behalf of yourself and you want him to, as a teenager, understand that all relationships are different, I really don't see any other approach than other than being honest with him. I don't know how many 13-year-olds could process this kind of complicated relationship. I don't think hardly any. Yeah, I don't think it's any of his business. I, I think if he does bring it up to you or if he brings it up to to his mom, that's when you got to cross that bridge and just explain that not every relationship has the same needs and all of them look different. 
Yeah, Becca, I'm with I'm with these guys. I think if it comes up, then mom should probably talk about it. But I don't even think that he could process it, to be honest with you. Go live your life and be happy. I get that, but it, it, he's such a good dude that I want to, like, how does that conversation look like, though, for both me and or his mom? She what wants to preserve, look- not his innocence, but preserve she just wants him. She wants him to believe that not all relationships end in infidelity. Mm. Right. Then I think you tell him all relationships don't end up in infidelity, <laughs> <laughs> and kind of move on and That's try to it. explain that they have an arrangement. Right. I just don't think a thirteen-year-old can process. Well, what do you mean they have an arrangement? Woo. Yeah, yeah. 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 Back out. Yeah. yeah. That's all we really got, Beck, and that's all we got time for. Unfortunately. Got to be honest. Oof. All right. All right. Bye-bye. She's like, thanks for nothing, you guys. (laughs) Thanks for nothing. The Bird Show. All right, I got a real quick question for parents. Tommy, do I have time for this? Just a couple minutes? I do? All right. I mean, it's a really basic question, but I was talking to a friend of mine last week, and it made me ask the question that I think that parents fall into one of two different categories when it comes to conflict with each other in the home. Because I've heard this both ways. When parents divorce... Some kids will go, I never saw it coming. Never saw my parents argue at all. And there are the other half that are like, oh, my God, I was just so glad that my parents split up. They were fighting all the time or the fighting used to make me really uncomfortable. So I think my question to you guys is when you handle conflict with your significant other, Uh, husband, wife, do you argue in front of the kids or do you sequester yourself to another room and they have no idea there's tension? 1-855-BIRCHA. Never saw my parents fight. So my parents divorced much later. I mean, they divorced after 23, 24 years of marriage. Um, But like growing up, I, I have zero recollection of them ever fighting. But as we got older, I also have zero recollection of them showing affection. Mm. Mm. So, so I think so that I think that's a two prong thing. So, um, because they slept in separate rooms because my dad is such a heavy snorer. So, I mean, that was just always a given, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, had, had a great childhood, but I I don't even think it's not even so much about like fighting in public and fighting in front of the kids. It's also, are you showing infection, affection in front of the kids? I don't, I don't know why my knee jerk reaction is when. Like, Tiff and I are having any kind of tension at all. It's like, nope, that's for another room. Mm-hmm. I don't want Eliza to see it. I don't want my kids to see it also. But I'm wondering if that's I agree. not authentic. Like, maybe they should see you, like, having those little things. If it's a tense discussion or a disagreement, we stay in the same room with the kids. You do. If, but it doesn't escalate into a fight. Like, a fight to me is screaming, like, shouting, maybe slamming doors. And I've had those with my husband. That's not in front of the kids. Because what we want to do is model for Hazel and Max that it's okay to have disagreements with a partner mm-hmm. and here's how you would handle it and it's okay to get tense. And even Hazel will be like, take a deep breath because we are teaching her to She'll take... She'll say that? Yeah, because we're teaching oh. her when she feels angry, like how to deal with her emotions and take a deep breath to calm yourself down. So we'll do that and then we'll model like that with her. We're, you know, we make a big show of it, but I want her to know it's okay to have disagreements and come to a conclusion and speak respectfully to your partner. Now, if it's if we can tell it's going to be more contentious and we're not going to end up mm-hmm. on the same page, we'll cut the argument short and then we'll pick it up again later. If my three or four-year-old said, take a breath, it would <laughs> stop the argument for me immediately. <laughs> it would 100% stop it for me. It makes me happy because it means she's listening and I've let her see me cry before, not at like not because of an argument, but just in general. And she'll be like, it's okay to be sad sometimes, <laughs> which is what we Damn. teach her when she Aww. cries. I want her to no, it's okay to feel the feelings. It's what you do next that matters after you feel those feelings. How old is she? Three and a half. Three and a half. And she is far more emotionally mature than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like not even close. Oh, I'm so sure some child psychologist will call up and be like, you are ruining her. No. Hey, Essence, good morning. You're part of the Bird Show. Hi. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. I love you guys. Listen every day. I appreciate you calling. Absolutely. So... When my husband and I are disagreeing and it's escalating to an argument, we sequester ourselves to a different room. Mm-hmm. We do not argue in front of our children under no circumstances because we don't want them to feel as if they need to pick a side based off what they hear mm-hmm. and the content of the argument. So we'll go to the garage, which is the furthest corner of the, of the house. Mm-hmm. 
and we'll even turn on the radio in the car and open the doors so that we can only hear each other. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. I, yeah, I just don't want them to feel like, well, dad did something to mom, mom did something to dad, let's take a side. Because I, we've, I've been in previous relationships and I did not hmm. block them from the arguments and they did pick sides. And I have three adult daughters and we still don't do it in front of them either. So, no. Really great points here. Uh, and in our house, I mean, it's always going to be because we're dealing with stepkids also. Hollis is always going to take my side. Eliza will always take Tiffany's side, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> so that would eliminate that altogether. But I think that's a really good point. Yeah, no, it is a good point. I mean, Bart and I, we haven't had any arguments in front of Jimmy if anything, I've explained to him, like, I want to make sure he sees the affection, which is why I'm like, he and I never got each other Christmas gifts before. We always go on a trip. But I was like, I want him to see us give each other things so he knows what that looks like. And so we've just, we've made a more conscious effort of showing gratitude and appreciation of each other in front of him. Do you ever remember your parents getting in a major fight in front of you? All the time. <laughs> I, I, I think they think that they tried to keep it from us and me, but they didn't do a good job of it. <laughs> I heard a lot of them. Yeah. What's so funny is the, the the parents that had the biggest fights, like threw plates and broke Good things, Lord. were the one that stayed together. <laughs> You're right. But why? But why? But why? I've said this before. Like the bragging rights of, oh, my grandparents stayed together for seventy five years, but they hated each other they for fifty <laughs> of them. Broke a lot of dishes yeah. in those seventy five yeah. years. It's the bird show. The bird show. I think when Mark Twain said this, he was specifically talking to single people, and it was dating advice. Mark Twain? Yeah, Mark Twain. Uh-huh. Never heard of him? I'm, no, I've heard of him. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how he's about to fit into the equation. <laughs> because he was the one, the quote is attributed to, that doing the same things over and over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of madness. Pure crazy. That's a Mark Twain quote. It's a Mark Twain quote. I've okay. said it numerous times. Did not know who it was attributed to. I didn't either. I'm not really sure that's a true. Are you serious? I don't know if that's true at all. Google. I thought it was like Albert Einstein or something. <laughs> I think yeah. it was. I'm pretty sure it was my <laughs> It's all the same. It. I can't with you. I think okay. predominantly it has been attributed to him. Okay. <laughs> But he was talking about dating, and Abby said... <laughs> he was talking about me specifically, he was talking actually. specifically to Abby. It's literally Albert it's, Einstein. It's Albert Einstein. It's Albert Einstein. <laughs> I caught it! You did it! Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, Mark Twain says, screw him. <laughs> he wants that quote. This is the prime oh example of why we are not in PR. Oh, my God. Speak for yourself. I got this one right. You did. You, you crushed the Albert you Einstein. Did, did, did. This is what happens when you get a degree from the University of Florida. Go Gators. Um, so, yeah, I've been doing, I've been dating the same types of guys, and I've been doing different things to try and get outside my comfort zone. I started doing this bingo card for the show that has pushed me so far to date outside my race, my religion, my height preference. And the one I was most nervous about was dating older. Um, Cassie challenged me to date somebody at least 10 years older than me, which would be, oh, that was you? Uh -huh. Oh, I thought, never mind. I'm sorry. It's Cassie. okay. It's okay. Um, <laughs> she, Cassie would well, never. I did dad bod, so you're probably going to find that on someone 10 years older anyway. <laughs> it's I, up there. I get writers and philosophers wrong. You get co-hosts. <laughs> it's really it just all gets muddled together and so that for me would be somebody 36 or older so i changed my age range on all my dating apps and the one thing that i have discovered through doing that is i think my niche is like guys in their early 30s like i mm -hmm. think that's where i like thrive and am most interested in guys the most um and so i've been talking to this one guy for a little bit and i was supposed to have a friend coming to town this weekend long story short flight got delayed and so all of a sudden i had a free night and he had asked me out and i thought you know what why not? I'll go out with someone in their 30s. How scary could it be? <laughs> <laughs> and so... And again, uh, you're 25, 26? 26, 26. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't, you know, there's like a stigma around the age of 30, you know, turning 30. And so I kind of had a similar feeling about dating somebody in their 30s. What is the stigma? Well, you know, like, it's like officially when you turn old, you know, it, like... Oh, well, no, no, you don't... <laughs> 
was that, that, I feel like that's a thing with my generation. Like when you turn 30, it's like, oh, that's when you're an adult. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. It's what I've heard. is not that so much you're old now. It's you can never be. You can't be like, I'm adulting anymore. I'm trying to figure out how to be an adult because you should have it figured out yeah. by now. So it, once you're in your 30s, you're no longer in that between stage where you can kind of make mistakes and be like, oh, I didn't know adulting. No, you need to like pay your taxes and have insurance (laughs) and all that fun stuff. I do remember doing the math when I was like 14 years old. Like what year is it going to be when I'm 30 (laughs) years old? And it just felt like it was so far in the future. Yeah. And for me, it's four years off. So I really shouldn't feel some type of way about dating a guy who's 32, which is what I did this weekend. And I was like, you know, how different could it be dating a guy who's 32, 33 versus dating a guy who's 25? It turns out there's a pretty big difference. (laughs) And not not in in bad ways. So there was good and bad. Like, for example, uh, when I went out with with the guy this weekend, I didn't notice and could just tell that this guy was a little bit more of a man. He was a little bit more established in himself, his frontal lobe fully developed. Yep. <laughs> There's that bonus. Sometimes when you go out with guys in their 20s, it sort of feels like they're playing dress up as a man. Like they're still sort of shedding off mm-hmm. that fratty exterior. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like getting rid of the baby fat. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your brain. Yes. <laughs> and so they're doing all the right things, but you sort of, sort of still feel like you're going out with Chad from Sigma Apple Pie. And so what I, <laughs> what I liked about this guy is, you know, he's doing all the things that you want a man to do. So he like opened a door and it just felt very natural. It didn't feel like he had to like think about it first. Like, oh man, opens door. Let me grab it and hold it for, for my lady. I feel like there's a level of confidence that comes with anybody who's like older and wiser. You just, you're you're more comfortable in your own skin, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just had a lot of masculine finesse. But then, then there were other things that weren't as good. Like, for example, he didn't really get my Gen Z slang. Mm-hmm. Like, I had to explain to him what a flop era was. <laughs> um, I was just telling him a story. <laughs> about- <laughs> you have to explain it to Mo and I, Elsa. You, wait, y'all don't wait, know really? what a flop era is? Uh-uh. Like, if you're in your flop era, it means, like, nothing is going your way. Like, okay. Oh, you're like- in a slump. Yes, you're in a slump. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There's the millennial version I lost some of it. Reason behind that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, a slump. Um, so I was in my. I had to tell him that a flop era was basically being in your slump era. Okay. Um, which was it was easy to make him laugh because of that. Because then I would make I would say like basic Gen Z words, and he thought it was so funny. I said something about like, oh yeah, that's that's living rent free in my head. He thought it was so clever. <laughs> He's like this Socrates over here just cracking jokes. Are these? I'm sorry. Are these Gen Z things or just? pop culture in general because I feel like I've heard that one forever. Living rent free in my head? Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like that's that one's more common. I, I feel like your boy's just a little out of touch. Yeah. So he doesn't have social media. Oh, Zero. Oh. I, I say that's a blow. That is so hot. I know you guys say that's a neg, but I think that's no, a plus. That's no, so I was, I was I so it. turned on. I was like, this is, so, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. um, the other good things was that he had hobbies. He had plans. Like, I feel like Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, a man no. with hobbies. No, I, the, you guys, the bar is in hell. Like, yeah. When you're dating a guy who's 20 <laughs> And the only plan they have for the weekend is to go drinking out with their buddies. Like the fact that this man had a tea time the next day. What? (laughs) He has like a set of clubs that he paid for himself. It was so hot. Um, Okay. And then on, on like the bad side. Which is a little bit different. And and so it's good, but it's bad. I felt like he was very eager to commit. Like I started talking about things I was doing like a year from now. Like I have a wedding in March. And he's like, oh, let me put that on my calendar. Oh, okay. That's a little... <laughs> but I'm sure that was a joke. No. I mean, like mentally, he was like, okay. You could kind of see like the wheels turning. He was like, okay, March. What am I doing in March? <laughs> um, and then the last good thing that I really liked about this guy was, he, again, very established. He's got big boy money. So when he asked me out on a second date, he asked me to go out to a very bougie steakhouse in the area. Mm-hmm. And so I was kind of conflicted because I was like, first of all, hello, free nice dinner on a Wednesday. <laughs> like, that's amazing. But also I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to, I don't know how I feel about going on a second date. That's going to cost a lot of money. I feel like I might be pressured to say yes to a third date. Do I know if I want to go on a third date yet? I don't know. I feel like we should be more casual. Damn, so many but things I, I have to go through your melon. I know. You know what would be super cute is I feel you. I, I used to feel the pressure about men paying for me on dates. Like I felt like I owed them. It was just my own personal weird quirk. Oh. So I would always split. 
I'd split or I would cover the whole bill. Like there's just, but usually we would just split until we had gone on a few dates and I felt more comfortable. What would be super cute is if you're like, you plan the second date and took him somewhere and whatever. It could be like super low key or it can be as fancy as you want. And then if you're ready for a third date, then you do the steakhouse date. Oh, I love that because I'm all for splitting the bill, but yeah, I can't afford that. No, place. no, no. no. <laughs> and, and that's weird. If he asked you to a nice steakhouse and you're like, let's split the bill. Like that feels weird. But if you want to get on that even footing, if you plan the second date, something fun, even a picnic, whatever y'all are into, then I would feel more comfortable on the third date being like, all right, you can buy my nest stick now. But do you even want to go out with him again? Well, yeah, we're going on a second date. Okay, cool. Yeah, I just don't know. Just not that place. I ain't got that big boy money, Kristen. Of course she's going out again. I'm taking, taking him to McDonald's. Him. Yeah, tell him you're taking him to a steakish place and take him to Five Guys. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> and then he takes you to the nicer steak place yeah. after that. Yeah, love it. Get it. The Bird Show. All right, so Rebecca there scrolling through some dating apps and swore she saw one of her ex-friend's boyfriends. Yes, sir. So I'm back on the dating apps after literally two years. Like my last message was from someone in 2021 just going, hello? (laughs) (laughs) Is anybody here? (laughs) I did not answer. But um, I saw something kind of crazy and I need advice because I don't have concrete evidence, but I still kind of feel compelled to say something. I just don't know if I should. So, first of all, being on the dating app sucks. Wow, miserable experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> swiping is just like, at some point, I just start swiping as fast as I possibly can just to like get through all the profiles. It's like if you have one red flag, immediately swipe left. You're holding a fish, I swipe left. <laughs> you want kids, I swipe left. <laughs> like, I'm just going through it. But I saw something while in the process of swiping as fast as I could that I'm still a little bit shocked about. And you can't, once you swipe, you can't unswipe? Unless you pay for premium, and I wasn't going to do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> Only losers do that. What is the difference in <laughs> do you, price? Do you, do you pay? <laughs> Sometimes I pay for the rose on Hinge. Oh, well, that's cute. Okay. That's sweet. We What's have, the difference in premium? And, and what uh, is this and, rose we speak of? Yeah, we got a lot, we got a lot of talking to do. <laughs> so premium just means you get like unlimited swipes. You can go back and like if you swipe someone on accident, you can like unswipe them mm-hmm. so you can see them again. But the best thing is you can see who likes you. So what's the price point on that one compared to like the free one? I think when you guys first set me up and I like looked at it because I was like, I just want to see who likes me. I it was twenty nine dollars a month. A, a month? Oh, oh, a month. A what? $30. That was for Bumble. No, you can't put a price tag on love, man. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Apparently his is twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah. About twelve. <laughs> and I think Hinge was like fifteen dollars. So it's like a, it's like a subscription to like Netflix or something. For love. Yeah, I was expecting it to be like in the single digits. Yeah, so was I. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, no. And, and what's the rose thing? So Hinge does this stupid thing where they put all the hot people in what I call rose jail, where <laughs> they put them in this section called standouts, and it's like the only objectively hot people on the app, but they only go in this one specific section. And to like them, you have to give them a rose. And it's so embarrassing because it makes you look desperate because it's sort of like a, it's sort of like super liking someone. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like saying, I really like you. And I, Sometimes you just want to give them a normal like, but you can't because they're in rose jail. So you got to pay for the rose <laughs> so you can tell them that you're interested in them romantically. Now, does Hinge put them in there themselves or do they pay to be in rose jail? No, they just, they're just stupid hot. So they get they're privileges. Hot. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's hot people privilege. Got it. Huh. I don't feel like that's fair. It's not. I feel like these apps are very discriminatory yeah. against the not so good looking people. Well, I mean, you're like, uh, you, you would be in there also. So I can't really take you seriously. <laughs> you don't know what it's like out here. You as think an I a- would be in rose yeah. jail? Yes. You don't know what it's like out here as an average or below <laughs> average looking person. The normies are out here paying three dollars and 33 yeah. cents per like <laughs> you know what's your pity you're one of them okay. <laughs> <laughs> i've never felt so complimented oh, they pluck weeds for me <laughs> <laughs> okay so i was swiping through i didn't pay for premium so i couldn't go back but before i processed what i was seeing i realized i saw my ex best friend from college's boyfriend his face his name which is very distinctive and his profile I swiped left. It's gone. I can never see it again. I don't have any concrete evidence. But you know you saw it. But I know I saw it. I am certain. But you're not able him. to get a screenshot. Yeah. 
There's no evidence, evidence mm. that I can send her. And we haven't spoken since college. No, nah, don't even oh, get involved know. in all this, man. Why are you going to get it? I mean, if you're going to get involved in it, it would be good for the radio, but for your mental health, they add all that. But I did some digging because I was like, maybe they're just not together anymore. I well, mean, yeah. I haven't spoken to her in a long time. We still follow each other. I checked her up on Facebook and they're newly engaged. <gasps> Oh. Is it possible that he was on there and then when they started seeing each other or commit, they, he just like, he just hasn't, hasn't deleted yeah. the app yeah. for seven years? No, if you're inactive after a week, it takes you off. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, well, he's very active. Yeah. <laughs> he's in my area. I still think, look, th- she's not even in your life anymore. Why get involved in this kind of drama, man? Why are you even looking around? You're so busy back there. You're so busy doing other things in your life right now, right? I was talking to Cassie about that this week because we have this thing that we're kind of restructuring part of our business, and Rebecca's name came up first, right? Who doesn't want to work with Rebecca? She's hardworking. She's smart. So I ran it by Cassie, Aww. and Cassie's like, she got her hands so full with this and that and blah, 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 blah. And now I hear you like you're <laughs> checking out current um, boyfriends of ex-friends of yours. You don't get time for all that. <laughs> you always have time for that, Bert, when you're a woman. And <laughs> Now, the only thing, um, the one question I have is, why is she an ex-friend? Like, how did the friendship end? Funny enough, it's because of that boyfriend. Oh. We were roommates in college, and she moved him in without asking me. Ooh. And he lived there for months no. without paying rent. And that was just it for us. Oh, a little bit of this is revenge. Mm. Ooh, maybe a little bit, actually. Hey, here's the grenade. I already pulled the pen. <laughs> All right, around the room, vote time. I say no. I say preserve your mental health. Stay away from the drama. I say no. Do it! Yeah! Yes. I say no. I don't think she's going to believe you and you don't have the evidence. That's true, okay. Do it! (laughs) Me and Cassie are on the front lines with signs saying, do it! Yeah, and the do-its were more passionate than the don't do it, so I would go with them. (laughs) It's for the radio. Thanks. Get it. The Bird Show. All right, so if you're going to approach a celebrity... You have no idea how they are going to react, right? Unless they have a history, sort of a resume of how people have approached them and they have reacted before. Kristen can help you out here. Here we go. Celebrity Encounters Best and Worst Edition. Speaking from personal experience, anybody in here approaches celebrity and had a bad experience with celebrity. Chad Ochocinco. Chad Ochocinco. Mm-hmm. What happened? So he is an NFL player. He was playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, and I was in a hotel lobby and I saw him and I was a Bengals fan and I was a fan of his. He's, he is a character. He's not just also, but he's definitely a character. He's certainly a character. Uh-huh. And I went up to tell him that I was a fan and he sat there and it He acted as if I was such a nuisance and was so annoyed by my presence. I mean, really honestly wouldn't even acknowledge me. And he was just, he was such a D-bag. If it's any kind of consolation prize, I went viral once for joking on him on Twitter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I don't remember what the joke was, but he was doing something. And I I said something clever back to him because he started with me and it went viral. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I, I let him have it for you. Good, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> what celebrity have you met and were they great or did they suck? Uh, For me, the the worst was probably Nicki Minaj. She, she no. just yeah, she just wasn't nice. Oh my gosh! And, don't and I, tell me that. Yeah, and I didn't that approach her. That doesn't surprise me. me either. <laughs> I, and it made it worse because I didn't approach her like on the street or anything. This was uh, where I was working at, and she was there, and it was a part of our job to take them to like these different rooms. And she just was not a nice person at all, as if like me just doing my job was annoying her. <laughs> um, I think I'm a celebrity repellent because other than like the places where I've worked or where I've paid to see them, I've never seen a celeb out in the wild. Really? Yeah. And so, of course, like when I was interning at that other radio show, of course, they're going to be lovely and wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I was an intern. So they were like, stay away. So I've never had like a close celeb encounter <laughs> where I've even had the opportunity to have a bad experience. Uh, two a-holes for you. Alicia Silverstone was an a-hole to me. No. 
No. At yeah. work or like in the wild? In the wild. Okay. Yep. It was at a restaurant and I waited for her and whoever she was eating with to stop eating so I could take a picture. And she just blew me off big time. <laughs> and the other one is a badge of honor, but he was an a-hole. Uh, Keith Richards told me to F off. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. You saw him on the stuff. beach. Yeah. I asked to take a picture and he's like, I don't speak English, no F off. But didn't you end up sneaking into his house? No, that was um, Mick Jagger. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, okay. Um, so many stories. All right. All right, so here we go. Best or worst? Meg Ryan. Ooh. Do you know who Meg Ryan is, Mo? I know the name. I'm trying to put her. She was like America's Sweetheart back in the day when Harry met Sally. Also, um, oh, yes. Sleep is in Seattle. Definitely. You wouldn't recognize her now. Um, <laughs> don't be mean. You wouldn't. I, I, I don't think she's going to be nice. I think she's going to be mean. I'd go mean. Worst, worst. I'm going best. Best. I think best. She was at um, a, a Stephen King thing. Tommy and I went back to a John Mellencamp back in the day, and she seemed really nice. I thought when she walked in, it was the Joker. Well, guess what? <laughs> Ladies know best. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Um, best. I met Meg Ryan and John Mellencamp at a stop and shop. She was very nice. I asked if I could help her as she looked lost. She told me she wanted some deli meat but didn't know how to go about it. I showed her where to get a number to be waited on. She thanked me, and we went our separate ways. <laughs> how out of touch you got to be as a celebrity to not know how to order deli meat. <laughs> Maybe it was complicated. Yeah, yeah sure. All right. <laughs> Your next one is Joseph Quinn. He played Eddie Munson on Stranger Things. Mm. He was like the Metallica dude. Oh. Mm-hmm. Well, he's got to be nice. You think wor- worst or best? Best. Mo? I'd say best. He looks like a nice guy. Okay. I'm going to go best. Best. He is best. Okay. I had the opportunity to meet Joseph Quinn for a photo op last summer. He was a popular guest due to Stranger Things, and the con kept adding extra photo ops and autograph signings for him. Poor guy must have been so tired, but he was so sweet and kind to everyone he met. All right, your next one. James Earl Jones. Oh, Oh, it had to be nice. Oh. had to be best. Oh, Oh, don't do this. I hope it's best. He's from that old school, though. I believe he's going to be nice. Didn't he, like, isn't part of his origin story, like, he had, like, a stuttering problem when he was a kid? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Do you know who James Earl Jones is, Abby? Yes. I had to Google him, but I recognize him mm-hmm. from movies, yeah. The oh, voice yeah. of all voices. The vo- yes. He was Mufasa in The Lion King. I loved him in um, Field of Dreams. I thought that was a fantastic um, character. Darth Vader. He's also Darth Vader. Yeah, he's, uh, he's Mufasa, but also Darth Vader. <laughs> <laughs> Super nice. Yes. All right. So you say best. Yes. I'm going best. Best. Worst. Best. Yes. Oh, yeah. is nice. Okay, good. James Earl Jones was absolutely lovely. I met him when I was 16. He smiled this big smile, stuck out his huge hand, and boomed in his low voice, Hello, how are you? <laughs> um, he even took the time to sign autographs and take a picture with another kid. This was at the Detroit airport back in 96. Oh, Rebecca's Ooh. got one for us. Hey, Rebecca, good morning. You're on the Berkshire. Hey, good morning. Just All tell right, us the so- celebrity. Don't tell us nice or not. Just tell us who okay. the celebrity is and the context. The context, I went to summer camp with Natalie Portman. Mm. I'm going to say best. Every interview I see her in and on SNL, Mm. she seems very down to earth and very cool. Something tells me if you call us, it's going to be worse. I'm going to say worse, but I don't feel good about it. I think worse because I detected something in your voice. Something something that you don't like there. So based on how you said it, I'm going to say not nice. I think worse too, but I think it's like... Sometimes she's hyper intelligent. Like she went to Harvard, can speak super several smart. languages. I think sometimes super smart, nerdy people can be rude because they don't get social cues. What do you got, Rebecca? Uh, I kind of lean more on the. She was pretty stuffy and cold. Like she didn't. She wasn't very friendly. She didn't do anything that was like outright mean. Yeah. But I wouldn't put her in like the nice category. But I will say, I also went to camp with Bryce Howard. Whoa! Like huh. Bryce Dallas Howard. Yes. Do you want to guess on her? Oh, best? I hope she was nice. I think best. You're going to say nice. It's Ron Howard's daughter. It's Opie's daughter. Yeah. She's got to be nice. Best. She was She was super nice. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Than ever. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for calling, Rebecca. Appreciate yeah, you. thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.